All right. Yeah, as long as it's on, on one of them. All right, so we've been going through uh, back to the basics. Uh, if, if you recall, we've gone through uh, the gospel, what it is, what it's not. Um, then we started taking a look at our identification in Christ, who we are in Christ. And really what we've done is we've kind of gone along um, the book of Romans. Uh, Romans chapters 1 through 5 deals with our justification. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 talks about our identification. Okay, now that you've been saved, what's now true about you? And why is that important, right? Then chapters 9, 10, and 11 deal with those dispensational issues. So we created the chart. We went through the chart all the way through from beginning to end, uh, just dealing with the dispensational aspects. We know what's going on today. Uh, then what we started doing after that is we started looking at, okay, now that we know that, Romans chapter 12 through 16 is what does that mean Based on that stuff, what do we do about that with that life in our daily life? And so then that's one of those things that we've been dealing with with the local church, local assembly. Uh, and once we get with this, get finished up with this, then I talked about uh, we're going to go through and look at the, the doctrines of inspiration and preservation to know why we have the book in front of us and why we can trust the book in front of us and that that's the only book that we should trust. Uh, so that's that's what we'll end off with the basics of grace, and I'll talk about this this next thing a little bit more later on. But one of the uh, one of the things that we always kind of put out years ago, and uh, um, hopefully you all are on board with this, and uh, if not, then we can have conversations about it. But one of the main things that we said as a local assembly that we we're going to do is. We, we're going to be a place where you can have a gospel you can believe. That you have a Bible that you can trust. A Bible study that you can understand. A life that you can live. And a hope that can sustain you. Those are five main things that we care about here that we've set up and said, here's what we're going to come together as a group and say, here's our focus. Those five things... And a lot of stuff comes off those five things, but those five things are going to be the most important thing. The fact that we have salvation as a free gift through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The gospel, right? The fact that we have a book that we can believe. We don't just say that we believe the King James Bible because we feel like that's the right one. We believe in the King James Bible because we know it's the right one. Those are the two main issues that out there in quote-unquote Christianity those are two big issues that they're not really on board with. Um, the third one is that there's a Bible study that you can understand. God tells us that he wants us to study his book. He says, I want you to study it, and I want to tell you how to study it. And the way you study it is rightly dividing. Then not only that, but not only have I saved you from the death penalty of sin, but also I'm going to give you my life to live your life each and, each and every day. That's that life you can live. And at the end of this life, whether it's by this life or by, by death, by, by, by catching up, that we have a hope that we can look forward to. Those are those five things that we said as a, as a group four and a half years ago, these five things are the things that we're going to stand on. Um, and we're not going, to move off, not going to be moved off of. So those five things were main, main issues that we talked about back then as we started getting some things together. And of course... You know, little by little, folks have, have come in and added on. Bruce came in a little bit late, and then you all were able to come in, and now uh, Don's joining us today. So, 
you know, those are those things that when, when, when people come, those are those five things that we want everybody to know. Here's what we do. That's, that's the basis of this ministry. It's the basis of this church. That's one of the reasons that we gather is those five things, right? Now, like I said, other things come off that, but those are the main five things that no matter what, we're not going to move away from, all right, as a local group. And so then that's what we've been doing here with the local group. Uh, remember, we've gone through and we've talked about the functions of each and every individual member, uh, the purpose of the local church. We've talked about that and gone through that. Um, one of the main primary functions of the church is to preach the word, to teach the word, to edify, to build one another up. Um, one of the things that we've talked about before is, you know, this is a place where you come to be edified so that we can go out and take that truth to a lost and dying world. That's the purpose of us gathering here, is to meet, to talk about who we are in Christ, allow that to be the, the final authority and the final issue in all things, that what we, what we do here, we can take out to a world and say, if you want peace, which everybody wants peace these days, if you want, if you want life, if you want to be able to deal with issues in life, we've got the book that will help you. Now, what's interesting is, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the second session, but, you know, we're living in a culture where that's the last thing that people look to um, for help. Um, but those things, guarding against false, false teaching, we talked about that as part of the functions of the church. And the last time we talked about uh, dealing with... Um, sins and issues between uh, brothers last time. So uh, there's a couple other things that we're going to finish up with, but notice here in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, and we'll read 12 through 16, and then we'll get started. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. In verse 11, it says, "And, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, why? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by, by, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word that's been preserved throughout the years and ages, that we can have it, we can handle it, we can study it, and we can apply it to every detail of our life um, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, again, as we're going down through here, what's the purpose of us being here is to become perfected saints. Now, again, we've talked about this before. That's not sinless perfection. We're never going to sin again. What he's talking about there is mature. And one of the things that we talk about, you know, you, real quick, go over to... Uh, Go over to Romans chapter eight, and uh, we'll 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 see some of this stuff. And, and and part of this 
is one of those things. Um, get Romans chapter eight in one hand and get uh, get Galatians um, chapter five in the other. This is this is one of those things that we're going to get into as we move forward to kind of finish out the the local church issue. Um, one of the things that we need to remind ourselves every once in a while, Romans chapter eight verse fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, what's it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Is that um, if if I feel like running up and down aisles, that's the Spirit telling me to run up and down aisles? No. What it's talking about there is the fact that we have a book, and that book is the final authority in everything. And when we read a verse, it says, this is what we're supposed to do, then we by faith believe that verse. Oftentimes, that's the toughest part. You know, over in Colossians, it says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Well, how did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? We believed what the verses on the page said about what Christ did for us, and we by faith believed what God said. And what happened is, as we go from death to life, from Adam to Christ, and then all of a sudden, everything in our life completely should change. Now, a lot of times, we don't know anything else other than how to be saved. Now, the maturing issue, the edification, that's what he's talking about over in Ephesians 4, the building up, the edifying of each other. That's the growing up stuff, right? Um, one, of the things, one of the things I found out, and, and I, see this, I see this a lot. <clears throat> um, so where I teach at the, at the high school here in town, we have, we have some adults in the building that act as if they're 14 years old. All right? That's, you know, you're 40, 50, 60-something years old, and they're still acting. Now, if you're 14, you act 14, that's different. But if you're 35 and you act 14, might, might be some issues we need to talk about, right? If you're 40 and you act like 14, if you're 50 and act like 14, there's a growing up issue, right? It's the same thing as this. It's the same thing that we have here. The perfecting of the saints over in 2, Peter, or 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the issue there is what? We are given this, this book that we have in front of us. It's given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Why? Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The idea of being perfect isn't, well, I'm not going to sin, it's, I'm, I'm going to grow in maturity. Now, we'll get back to the Ephesians 4 here in a second. But notice here in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What we have to think and remind ourselves about is the way that the, the, way that the Lord leads today is through His Word. We've gone through and we looked at over in Ephesians and also over in Colossians, their, their, sister, their sister books and Ephesians and Colossians tells us something and says, if you want to be led of the Spirit, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, the Colossians verse that matches is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
Now we've talked about that the the understanding, the knowledge, understanding, and wisdom and prudence, right? Knowledge is you know something about the Bible. Understanding is I know how to use it. Wisdom has to do with using it correctly, and prudence has to be with using it correctly at the right time. Those are things that oftentimes gets pushed on the back burner because all I know is I'm, I, I know I've gotten saved and know how to write that by the Bible and let's just have at it, right? But there's an issue there too. Notice verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. There is a spirit of adoption that we already have received, and that spirit of adoption is whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have a relationship with God the Father that is... Who's the other person in Scripture that ever used that phrase, Abba, Father? Jesus Christ did. The relationship that the Father and the Son has is a relationship that we have. When, when, when God looks at us, He doesn't see us the way we are. He sees us in His Son. We've gone through this. The whole issue with Romans chapter 6 is His death is our death. His burial is our burial. His resurrection is our resurrection. We have so much more than I know that I'm saved and I know how to study my Bible. There is so much more to this life. And the whole purpose of this local assembly is to promote that in each and every one of us. Over in, over in Galatians um, <clears throat> chapter 5. Also, get well stop, on your way there, stop at Galatians chapter 4. And uh, we'll see something there too. Um, Galatians chapter 4, let's look at that one first. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff there that I want us to be able to see. An heir is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors. Tutors tell you what to do. Governors tell you what not to do. As a kid, what do you have to do with your children is say, don't do this, you should do this, right? You should do this, but don't do that. That's the issue there. What happens is, is as we mature, what we should be able to do is start making adult decisions based on this book. And it's not, you know, we, we've done this before. Um, and it's interesting, somebody, somebody was talking about this at the, one of the meals. Um, messed up that W. Um, DWE, right? We talked about that a little while back. D stands for doctrine. I stands for intellect, W stands for will, E stands for emotion. As a child, I want it and I want to scream, my emotion runs my life. I see it every day at school. These kids are so caught up in their emotions and their emotions rule and reign in their life all the time. Then 
they decide to do something based off their emotions, and then they start and go do stuff. Well, the way we should be as an adult is we take the doctrine that we have, the intellect that we have, and our will says, emotions, you're going to respond to the doctrine that I know how to use. Now, the thing is, is we've got to know the doctrine, and we've got to know how to use it, and then we've got to say, flesh, you're going to go do what this doctrine says, whether you like it or not, because I guarantee you, the flesh won't like it. So then, here we've got this child, he differeth nothing from a servant, even though he be lord over all, but he's under tutors and governors to get that in check, right? That's the idea of raising, raising children, right? That's what we're dealing with there. That's the same thing that takes place in the life of the believer. You get saved, and we start living our lives based off emotion, always. That's a tough place to be. One of the things, one of the things you, know, you, you think about, and it's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. Emotions are fantastic. But we shouldn't live based off of them or make decisions based off of them. We can start off with doctrine and say, okay, I'm going to take that doctrine, believe it, and I'm going to make my flesh go do, and then guess what you get to do? You get a joy in it. That's an emotion. That's a good thing, right? But the majority of, of Christianity out there, religious systems, that's what it's based on is, is the emotion, and they go backwards. So based on your emotion, then you're going to go do something, you're going to learn something, and then you're going to actually have other people believe the same thing you did. That's the complete opposite of the way God works, right? So what do we have here? But as under tutors and governors, notice that word, notice, until the time appointed. When we start thinking about as we, as we grow up, notice in verse 3, even so, we, uh, even so we, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons. Isn't that a great thing to know? That ye are a son? God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, you keep on going. Verse 8, notice he says, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which were by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye are known, have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire to, to be in bondage? When we think about that, the issue that we want to make sure that we see specifically in the local assembly is the growth. And we've, we've, we've talked about this before. I can't grow for you. Only you can. But what are we here to do? Um, we're to be helpers of each other's joy. Not to have dominion over your faith, but to be a helper of your joy. We want to come alongside each other and build each other up. As we continue to grow individually, um, Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 18. 
Now, this, is, this takes you back to the Romans. This takes you back to Romans chapter 8 where we're talking about being, being led of the Spirit. Notice in verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are what? Not under the law. So then, if, and you know, what's interesting is, and this will get to the next part that we're talking about, um, as we mature, what should we start doing is treat each other as if they're not under the law. One of the toughest things that Delilah and I dealt with years ago is um, she subconsciously, without even realizing, maybe she didn't realize it, she would put me under a law to match what her dad did. She would constantly compare me to her father. And so she's saying in her mind, you don't measure up to what my father was. And so since that, there's a problem. And so then that, that issue, and, and, and I would do the same thing with her. I would like, okay, there's certain things you need to do. As soon as you say that, what have I just done to her? What has she done to me? We've put each other under a law without even realizing it. What, what we came to realize is we're both members of the church, the body of Christ. We're both equal in God's eyes. But what we should now do is not, here's this standard that you're not matching up to, so now it's going to create a problem in our lives. It's not that. It's you're better than me. Not really, but that's the way we treat each other. That's the way we should treat each other. That's, that's the same in the, in the family. It's the same in the church family. We've talked about it before. We what? We esteem others better than ourselves. Greatest way that we see that is you look at the cross. That's, that's part of the growing up is it's not all about me, but it's how can I make you better? How can I make you better? How can I make you better? Um, that, that's this issue. Notice, <clears throat> but if you are, are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are these, and he goes down through there. Verse 22, notice, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the, effect, uh, the affections and lusts. Notice, if we live in the Spirit, let us also what? Walk in the Spirit. So, question, are we led in the Spirit? What should we do? Walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And here we see this show up. Here's how this is going to work out. Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of, the meek, of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We, we, we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, well, we've talked about it a lot, actually. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to 
bear another person's burdens outside of being with them. Right? Um, I remember, what, 11 years ago? Yeah, 11 years ago, this past February, uh, my, my, when my dad passed away, my mom was there and I was there. Um, we were able to bear one another's burdens. Now, my brothers and my sister, they weren't there, so they couldn't be with us at that time. Now, later on when we met with them, we could. So there's certain things that we can't do unless we're with each other to be able to help each other out. What, what is it? What is it that we need to work together to move forward with? And that's that issue. Notice in verse 3, For if a man thinketh, think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoice in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall, notice that's future tense, shall bear his own burden. But what's he saying now? Bear one another's burdens now while you have that opportunity to work together with somebody else because one day you're going to bear your own burden. Take advantage of the fact that you've got a local group. Have you ever... And we've all been there. I believe that we've all been in that situation where we've been without a group of people that believe the same thing we do. <laughs> and it's tough. And there's a lot of people out there that's that same way. Praise the Lord that we can gather together and not have to have that feeling anymore. And not have to have that to deal with anymore. Because there's a lot of people out there that don't. What's interesting is when you've got people that know they have a place and don't show up, that's tough. Because you're not going to be able to get through life the way God's designed you to get through life without being with other people. So then I look at all these folks out here that want to have a place to meet and they don't. Then you've got other people who have places to meet but choose not to. That just blows my mind. This is the thing, to come together, to bring this together, to, to talk about these, to be able to deal with issues. Um, David talks about the Scripture and says it's what? It's a light into my path and a lamp into my feet, right? Well, when you think about the, the time in which we live now, Paul talks about it, uh, Christ deals with it a little bit, and then we're, we're in kind of an extension period of that. When Christ was here, it was day and it was light, Right? When he left, it's now it's night. Paul says the night is far spent, right? When we think about when we think about those things, we're living in a dark time. But we've got a book that's a light under our feet and a lamp under our path. And that's what guides us in the direction that we're supposed to go. As a group together, Imagine how much brighter that light would be. <laughs> we all have little lamps. So then, when we think about that, go back to Ephesians chapter 4. With, with that in mind, <clears throat> keeping, keeping these things in mind, the perfecting of the saints, verse 12, Ephesians 4, 12, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. We all have a job to do. Our goal should be what God's doing. Notice in verse 14, there's a purpose for us doing this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know how easy it is to manipulate a young child? It's a little bit harder if you've got a mature adult. Now what I find interesting is you see cultish activity and all that stuff out there and you're like, man, how in the world people get caught up in that? Well, that that's that's one of those things you got to think. Why? Probably because they're still childlike in their thinking. But notice, what do we do in response to that? Verse 15, speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. One of the things that we should be able to do is to what? Every person here matters in this work. Why? Because we're all saints in the process of maturing, hopefully. And we're all together with this ministry to what? To edify one another and then go out and what? Evangelize. And we'll talk about that stuff a little bit more. That also leads into go over to go over to Romans chapter 12. And I just want to look at some other things as well. What that bleeds into is caring for people outside of the local assembly. Also outside of the body of Christ. And this, this kind of bleeds over into some of the stuff we've been dealing with, with the generation stuff. Um, and some other things that I want us to be able to kind of think about and go forward with. Notice here in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, start off in verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor in that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. See that same issue of I care more about you than I do myself, right? Even though we're both in Christ and we're both equal and we both have all the blessings, the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, we all have that stuff in common, but I'm going to treat you as if you're what? I'm going to treat you better than I would treat myself. That's that same issue that we see here. Verse 11 how do we see that? Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. By the way, you know, we talked about that the the triune, us being the triune being, spirit, soul, and body, right? Well, right here you have verse 12, rejoice in hope. That's a function of your spirit. Patient in tribulation, that's your body, and continuing instant in prayer, that's your soul. We see these things throughout the Scripture. Here's the real issue. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. This one's always tough. Bless them which persecute you. That's a tough one. Because the flesh wants to say, 
Let's forget all this stuff and let's just, uh, let's just get emotional about it and just go after them. We're, we're living in the, the mic drop society where you got to say something, get somebody, and just leave. Alec right? Jones. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, that's, our, that's where we are, right? Is, man, I got you good. I'm out. I'm going off. And I, I'm the winner. That, that's the exact opposite of what we do as a mature adult. What should we do? Bless them which persecute you. Bless and what? You notice, you notice there, it's not just, don't just, we talked about before, the putting off and the putting on, right? Don't curse them, bless them. Absolutely. That, that, would be, that would be one of the, the, the things that our, our goal would be is to build up. Tearing down is easy. I grew up Baptist. I know. Tearing down is real easy. That's what you did every Sunday morning. You just tear down. And tell everybody, here's where you were short, and here's where you were short, and here's where you were short, and here's where you were short. Instead of saying, by the way, here's who you are in Christ. Go live that. Verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. And again, it's not, just, it's not just dealing with the local assembly. But it, it's also taking that life and taking it outside of the church to lost people, rejoice with them, and weep with them. Because we have an answer for both situations. Verse 16, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Here's the, here's the crux of it. Verse 18. If it be possible, which I'll tell you what, it is, if it be possible, but what's, what's, the, what's the catch there is what? As much as lieth in you, that's the, that's the catch. You know, Paul says, he starts off Romans says, As much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Do you know why? Because he had, he had that all down and he figured it out and he knew what was going on. He knew what the gospel was and says, I'm so filled with what the gospel is, I'm ready to go and preach it. It's hard to live peaceably with all men if we don't know that we have peace with God. By the way, seven chapters prior to this, he told you that you do. That you do have peace with God. But you have to reckon that true, right? Do we actually believe that we have peace with God? Do we actually believe that we have justification of eternal life? Do we actually believe that we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Do we actually believe it? I know we can read it. I know that we can say that we say that we do. But do we believe in our heart of hearts that yes, I do believe this verse is true about me? Because if it's not, it's going to be hard to live peaceably with all men as much as, as, much as life in you is. Live peaceably with all men. 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Again, it's that's one of those things that's tough is to say, okay, you can keep put, poking the bear. I'm fine. I, I'm in hibernation mode. Keep poking. And just move on. Show them grace. Move on. It's tough. Trust me. Um, that was a tough thing for me too. And I'm, I'm still not completely there. I was, but <clears throat> verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what? Feed him. You know what's interesting about that? Also, seven chapters prior to this, God said what? When we were enemies with him, what did he do? Sent his son to die for us. It's not not when we were enemies, he beat us down. What did he do? He showed us grace, mercy, and he gave us peace and long-suffering and all this other stuff. And it's wonderful to know, but that's something that we can also do. And I guarantee you, we're not, we can't, we don't have things coming up against us as much as God has. And he chose to forgive us. Notice, <clears throat> Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. I want you to think about this. If you have an enemy, for some reason my mind just went to like Marvel superheroes and all that stuff, right? The villains. You know what's interesting about this? You know what's interesting about the life that we have in Christ now? we can give something to our enemy that they can't get. And that's salvation. And if we start looking at our enemies, not as an enemy, but we can say, if you're hungry, I'm going to feed you. And also, guess what? Christ died for you. That's a future member of the church, the body of Christ right there. Because we were once enemies with God too. And Titus remind, Paul tells Titus, and he says, remind the folks in Crete that you used to be just like those people that you're now no longer a part of, and you've got a message that can get them out because that same message got you out. And if we look at them not as, man, I just really don't like you, but we look at them and say, you know what? You could be a member of the body of Christ, and I don't even know it yet, but... I'm going to present you the gospel. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of, of fire on his head. Now, a lot of people like that part. But I would almost say, what if we, because you're doing that, but what if we also said, by the way, here's how to get out from underneath that coals of fire. How do we do that? Verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, <clears throat> go real quick over to... There's a bunch of things I was wanting to get to, but we'll see. Um, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 
And I want you to think about something real quick. When when Paul's earthly or earthly, when Paul's Acts ministry was taking place, when he would go to a city, who would follow him there? Apostate Israel, and they would try to get rid of him, try to try to teach against what he was teaching, and try to kill him. Right? Multiple times that happened. Now, what we're going to see here is a, a slight difference in this, but I want you to notice something. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Now, pause there for a second. Think about what's going on. Galatians, what does Peter tell Paul? says, please remember the, the, the poor saints at Jerusalem. Which, by the way, Paul was an enemy, an enemy of, right? He persecuted the church of God and he was against them. What's he doing now? He's taking up collections to send to the poor, poor folks in, in Jerusalem. By the way, why were they poor? They trusted God's Word, right? They sold everything they had and gave it away. Why? Because they were preparing for the tribulation period. They were waiting for that 70th week. So now you've got all these folks over here, and what's Paul do, who used to be their enemy, what's he doing? He's taking up and saying, hey, I want you all to take up the collections and I'm going to take it up to Jerusalem. So one of those, as you think through those things, uh, kind of think of ways, how is it that we could, how is it that we could go and put Christ's life on display where we live? Kind of think of ways, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, we see the same kind of thing here. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the clock and it just... It never stops, unfortunately. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll just read a few things here and we'll see the same thing. Verse 1. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write unto you. Why? Because they're doing it. <clears throat> Verse 2, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready." Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to, to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand the bounty whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed it in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
And this is the best part, I think. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. How much grace? Are you lacking any grace? All right. That ye always, how often? Always. Having all sufficiency. How much sufficiency? All. In all things. How many things? All things. May abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of, the right, of your righteousness. Now it's interesting, verse 9 and 10, uh, verse 9 and 10 are parenthetical, and he's kind of explaining that. But notice, what we just read in verse 8 about uh, may abound unto every good work, he picks that back up in verse 11. Being enriched in everything, that's all things, to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. We have everything that we can possibly know, think, or desire to have, and God's given it to us, and He's, he's, he's bountifully given this to us, and He's saying, here's everything you need to grow up. And growing up, not just about what I want, what I need, all that stuff, but what do others need? How can I help in that particular situation? Right? That's that issue of caring for the destitute, which is one of those things that we look at. Now, that's, an, that's more of a, um, an individual thing as much as it is also a, a church thing. You know, what is it, what is it that we're doing as a group to help people outside. Well, one of the things that we set up uh, at the very beginning is um, part of what we want to do here is to minister to others and kind of help with that. So there is a missionary group that goes over to South Africa that we've given to. That's part of what what we have here that goes to that. Now, if anybody would ever want to add to that or say, hey, do this. But that's one of those things that we've decided years ago that we wanted to be a part of something outside of just this local group. Minister to those that are around us, but also other places as well. And that's something that we set out years ago that we wanted to do. Um, and that's not a tutor own horn type thing. It's, it's, it's this, knowing that we can help somebody else reach people to folks that we will never meet. That's a blessing. And we've been given all grace to have all sufficiency in all things that we're going to have this and to be a part of that. Now, the question would be then, what do we do here too, right? Not just local assembly, but when we go out, we go back to our homes what do we do? What do we What do we want to do there? Um, to take the life of Christ and put it in our our uh, our community. And those are things that we've got to think about, right? Because that that's part of it. The destitute's not just in the church, but they're even more destitute outside outside of the church. Because not only are they dealing with bills being late and and on all these other things, but then also. Their eternity is is not a good place. 
And if we can help them out and come alongside them and help them out, then we, we, we should definitely take advantage of that. Um, all right, that gets us to the end of local church stuff. And then uh, next week we'll start taking a look at um, um, the book we have in front of us. How do we get it? Why do we know for a fact that that's what we're supposed to have?